Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Well, I want to uh, wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, uh, you know, if you've eaten too much, uh, it's okay. We're going to help you out. In January, we're going to have a 21-day fast. So, so eat all your cake and ice cream and all your goodies. And, uh, then you, uh, but I hope you'll join us on a fast and do whatever you can. I'll be talking more about that in the coming weeks. Um, I, I did want to mention one other thing. We've been having so many problems with Comcast in our live stream that, uh, you know, we keep losing signal and then it shuts the whole system down. And so what we've done is the live stream now is actually the previous week's sermon. And, uh, but Noe and the team are getting the, the, the sermon for that day up on Facebook uh, by around 2 o'clock. So uh, we're, we're in the process. I think Frontier is going to be running some uh, fiber optic cable. And so once we get that, I think our problems will go away. So anyway, I just wanted to let you know that the live stream that you're seeing on Sunday mornings is really the previous week, but on Facebook, uh, you can go, I guess on YouTube too, is that right, Noe? <clears throat> on both, uh, on, YouTube, on our YouTube channel or Facebook, you can find the Sunday morning service for that day up around 2 o'clock. Or you can just come here and every Sunday morning and then you don't have to watch it online, so... Anyway, I'd like to release the Warrior Youth and the Children's Ministry to go back at this time. And uh, I'm so excited that you guys are here today, and I'm excited for this message. Um, I know we've been going through the book of James. Has anybody else been being challenged besides me? <laughs> so anyway, I, I hope that, uh, that you are uh, growing in your relationship with the Lord so this series is called Live It, and uh, today's message is Riches, Patience, and Endurance. And there are a couple of uh, markers that we can look at in our lives to see how we're growing and, and check our spiritual maturity. And if we're giving and if we're serving and we're demonstrating patience and endurance, those can often be indicators of spiritual maturity. Uh, as you know, diamonds are made of carbon, and, uh, and so is graphite that we use in our pencil. But uh, the Lord desires us to be more like diamonds than pencil lead. And as a diamond goes through the process of, of the heat and the pressure, it changes the, uh, uh, the carbon from, uh, into, into diamonds. And so uh, if you think about a diamond, a diamond, a diamond will illuminate with light. And so as we live our lives submitted to the Lord and allow Him this process, sometimes He uses heat and pressure to help us grow in our relationship with Him, but He wants us to be diamonds, and as His light shines through us, we illuminate the love of Christ, and hopefully that others will be drawn to Him through our lives and our lifestyles. The core scripture for this series is, James 1, 22, don't just listen to God's word, period. 
You must do what it says, period. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So again, this, this series is about live it, encouraging us to grow in our relationship with him. And today we'll be looking at James chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And then we're going to go back and look at a couple of verses in chapter 1 of James that we looked at at the beginning of this series James 5.1 says, look here, you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. If we are depending only on our earthly riches, we may be in for a shock. The Lord blesses us so that we can be a blessing to other people. Our dependency needs to be on Him, not on our self-sufficiency, not on our status, not on the company that we work for or the material wealth that we have. Our security and our substance comes from the Lord as He provides everything that we need. Proverbs 29.2 says, When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked are in power, they groan. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, us building the kingdom. When we're building the kingdom, we are promoting, uh, we're promoting Christ. And the word says, as we lift up him, as we lift him up, that the world will be drawn to him. Others will be drawn to him. We are so blessed to live in this nation. We have uh, the privilege to vote for our leaders, those that we vote into office. But I, I often wonder if we as Americans are going to be held responsible for our freedom that we have. You know, who are we voting into office? And this is not a political message by any means, but, but the point I want to make is that we live in a country where we get to vote for the people that are making the laws and, and decisions to implement the laws that are put into place. And I think we, part, part of our responsibility uh, as Christians living in America is to vote for people that will uh, support godly uh, values and, and the kingdom of God. Uh, this, this country was founded on Christian values. And uh, is, is the Lord going to hold us responsible for how we handle our freedoms and what we do with the opportunities before us? I was, I was thinking the other day, what if we lose the freedoms that we have now? The freedom to worship, to come together and worship. What if we lose the freedoms to preach the gospel or, or share our testimony? I probably most of you know a few years ago, uh, Mayor Anise Turner, or what was her name? Parker, Parker yeah. Uh, Anise Parker was the mayor of Houston, and she was uh, trying to subpoena pastor's sermons to tell them what they could and could not preach. And so I wonder what, what happens if we lose our freedoms to be able to meet like we are today and, and, and share the message online. And so my, one of my concerns are that um, this country is in moral decay. You look at even the church embracing things that are uh, ungodly, that go against what the Word teaches. And, uh, you know, I, I think that if, we, if we're not careful, we could even be overtaken as, by foreign forces in this country. So there are a lot of concerns that I think maybe we have. But the thing is that we need to be praying for this nation. We need to be praying for our leaders 
And we need to, when, when we have the opportunity to vote, we need to put people into office that we think will represent godly values and principles. And again, this is not a, a, a political message. It's not intended to be in any form or fashion. But it's just to say, listen, we need to rise up. And we need to live this thing out. And we need to demonstrate the love of Christ. And we need to implement Christian values in our, our own life and help others to live the victorious life that, that Christ came to, to give us. And whenever we remove the Lord from our society, and, you know, it's like society is trying to do that today, taking prayer out of schools and things like that, um, you know, there, there are consequences for those things. And so we were founded as a Christian nation, and I think we can change the culture and the atmosphere by the way that we live and by the things that we support, by the things that we don't support. I said this last week. When the Bible says it's sin, it's sin. When the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. And, and so we need to live uncompromising lives according to the Word of God. And we're not talking about getting uh, religious or legalistic. We're talking about allowing God to transform our lives, change our hearts, change the way that we think so that we come in alignment with His purpose and plan and goals for our lives. Because the decisions that we make don't just impact us. The laws that are put into place don't just impact the lawmakers, it impacts all of us. And so uh, I think James is calling us to a place of, of growing and becoming mature in our relationship with the Lord and then going out and living that out. Um, the, you know, um, Pastor Christine took the college and career through the book of Revelation a few months back, and that was the second time she'd taken them through that. And when you begin to look, read the book of Revelation, if you would have read it 50 years ago, even maybe 20 years ago, you would say, well, I don't understand how this could happen. How could Jesus come back and the whole world see that? Now we know with technology, I mean, God can do anything, right? But now we know that's very plausible with the technology that we have, that we can see something that's going on in a little country far, far away. We can view lifetime what's happening. And so technology is advanced to the point, and, and things are deteriorating to the point where we may see some of the things that the book of Revelation talks about, and about the end times and things that are to come. And when uh, Israel had ungodly leaders, when they turned from God, there were bad results. They were taken into captivity. They were taken into bondage. The people were, were suffering. But when Israel had godly leaders they would turn back to God, and God would bless them and, and protect them and uh, watch over them. And so we are part of this society that we can make a change by the way that we live. If we say that we're Christians, let's demonstrate it by the way that we live it and, and help people come to the Lord. Listen, Jesus is, is our hope. He's the only hope. The government can't fix it. You know, society can't fix these problems. And when we look at what's going on in the world today, it's not just America. It's a global problem. But God has an answer, and his name is Jesus. And we need to 
to come into this relationship with him. We need to have this intimate, personal relationship with him where we are growing, where we are yielding to him. Um, let's, let's look at what Paul writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6, 6-10. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. And so we, we started off this series talking, I mean, this sermon today, where, where James is saying, uh, look here, you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. And, and Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth, great value. So do we have godliness in our lives? Are we content with what we have? Godliness with contentment. Any, any one of us can find things to complain about, but rather than complain, why not be part of the solution? There is peace when we are content. There is strife and discontent when we are not at peace. Godliness with contentment is of great value. So, again, this scripture, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. 1 Timothy 6, 7 says, After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. Many people spend their entire life attempting to build wealth and build uh, a great uh, uh, treasure chest, that will only be left to others. I remember a, a couple of months ago when my mom had passed and I saw her lying in the bed and I realized that she was gone, her body was just a shell. There was nothing that she was going to take with her. She wasn't concerned about the things that maybe we concern ourselves with sometimes. She wasn't concerned about paying the bill the next month. She's in heaven and all of those things are left behind. But yet, Many times we can get so focused on materialism that we can miss the point of this life and what God has called us to do and, and who he's called us to be. Uh, verse 8 goes on, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. We're so blessed to live in this country where most of us have plenty to eat and clothes. There are millions of people across the world and probably many in this country that don't have enough food or clothing but we are abundantly blessed yet sometimes we feel like we never have enough we want more now first timothy 6 9 says but people who long to be rich fall into temptation or and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction Consider someone that doesn't have a lot, but yet they will go and buy lotto tickets. Trying to, trying to get that one winning taco, uh, uh, ticket to get them. <laughs> I, guess, I guess we'll be having Mexican food for lunch today. <laughs> trying try to get that one ticket so they can go buy a taco. Uh, they'll be trying to get that one winning ticket. But they may not have the basic things that they need. I remember my mom and, and a, a lady that she was friends with um, many years ago. They would take uh, clothing that needed like uh, some a little repair, maybe some uh, uh, 
buttons sewed onto it or something like that. And they would repair these clothes, and they would take them to people in need. And uh, my mom said it was so frustrating sometimes because they would take it, they would take these items that they had spent time, you know, preparing and washing and cleaning and mending, taking to people, and they would go back a week later, and the clothes would be out in the backyard. They they wouldn't be uh, be taken care of, and uh, people that they would uh, sometimes they would go and, and provide food for, they would go back, or, or resources for food, they'd go back a, a week later and there was no food or milk for the children. They would have beer in the refrigerator and, and things like that, but taking care of their family. So sometimes, you know, people can get caught up in addictive behaviors or lifestyles or things like that that will cause them to not take care of the basic fundamental things that God has given them responsibility for. And so uh, Paul is saying to, to Timothy, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction that not only impacts them, but it can impact their family and for generations to come. Um, verse 10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. And uh, money is uh, amoral. It's not good or bad. It can be used for good things or, or bad things. Having wealth is not a bad thing. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. And, and most of us in this room and most of us that live in this country would be considered wealthy uh, when you compare us with the standard of the world today. So whatever level of wealth we have, are we using that? Uh, are we being good stewards of that, and are we utilizing that to build the kingdom of God? Are we taking care of our families and things like that, of course? But uh, having wealth is not bad, but it's are we being good stewards with what God has given us? Uh, the lust or the love of money is the root that causes all kinds of evil. People will steal from others and uh, even kill, so because they want what they don't have. And uh, uh, let me read First uh, Timothy 6.10 again. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Are we using the resources that God gives us to build the kingdom and reach the lost? Our mission statement of Life Fellowship is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And then the vision or the results are to become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. That's what God has called us to do. And that's the heart of what God has called us to do as Life Fellowship Ministries International is become committed followers of Christ that will then impact the world around us to train, equip, empower, and release. So when you're coming on Sunday mornings, when you're coming to life groups, Part of the goal and the purpose is that you get trained, equipped, empowered, and released so that you can go and be influential in other people's lives to train, equip, empower, and release them to become uh, committed, impactful disciples of Christ. 1 Timothy 6.10 continues, And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Materialism can become an idol. We can become consumed with money and material things. 
which can lead to embezzlement, robbery, deceiving others, stealing, can lead to neglect of our family. It can lead us to the point where we become workaholics and are not spending family time. We're not getting the rest that we need. This, is, this was not part of my notes, but um, I think a lot of our problems financial are, are because we're not good stewards of what God has given us. You know, the Word says that when we return the first 10% of our increase to the Lord, He promises to bless the 90%. And so if we're not honoring God, if we're not returning that portion to Him, then his blessings are not on that that 100%, and a blessed 90% goes a lot further than an unblessed 100%. And then the other thing is many people live beyond uh, their their uh, capacity to provide for themselves. They live beyond their needs. And, uh, you know, so if we're, if we're returning the first 10% of our increase to the Lord— and then we should be saving 10 or 15%. We should be living on 75, 80% of what we bring, bring in. And many people are not doing that. They're not saving money. They're not returning to the Lord what belongs to him. Therefore, they don't have that blessed covering over their resources that they would have. And then, you know, we need to, to be uh, uh, saving money. We, we should have money in the bank, if we uh, run into a jam where maybe we lose our job or something like that, we need to uh, be able to have some resources available. And uh, a good rule of thumb is to have six months worth of savings so that if you get into a jam, you can uh, provide for yourself. So, you know, these are all things, practical things that we can do. And uh, there's a lot of practical tips in the Word of God that we can live and, and implement in our lives regarding stewardship and our finances and things like that. But James is saying, if you're depending on your wealth, that's, that's shaky ground. You need to be depending on Him. And for those of us that are, are as blessed as we are, how are we using the resources? Are we using those to build the kingdom of God James 5, 1, 1, 2, let me go back to verse 1 here. Look here, you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Verse 2, your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Now, I know people that are, are wealthy, and they have the right heart when it comes to giving. They are supporting, and they are building the kingdom of God. They are investing into the kingdom of God. And that's a wonderful thing. But we should all be doing that. We don't have to be millionaires to make an impact in the world around us. God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing. And so we pray and we say, Lord, how can I utilize the resources that you've given me to do your work and to do what you've called me to do? Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths and moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And then verse 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And I've always thought that maybe this scripture was backwards from what I would think. 
I would think wherever your heart is, there your treasure would be. But he says wherever your treasure is, that is uh, reflective of where your heart is. So you want to know the condition of, of where your heart is? Look at where your treasure is. Look at your checkbook. Where are you spending your money? Because that tells you where your heart is. And the desires of our heart should be on our relationship with the Lord. Again, James is talking about money, and so that's why I'm talking about money this morning. He's saying, look, don't put all your trust in your money because that could disappear, that could go away just like that. But our, our treasures, our heart should be on building the kingdom. And what, what's, what is God's prized possession? It's people. It's us. His people. The people that have relationship with him, but also the people that are lost. He has a heart for them, as we should have a heart for people that are lost. And so are we not only giving of our, our, our treasures, but are we giving of our time and our talents? And many of you are serving. You're serving so well, and I appreciate everything that you do. When you come here on Sunday morning, setting up and tearing down and, and, and serving in the tech arts team, serving in children's ministry, youth ministry, whatever it may be, making coffee, cleaning up, but are we giving of our time, our talents, and our treasure? Because that is where our heart needs to be in building the kingdom of God and sharing the hope and the love of Christ. And your influence can make a huge difference in the lives of people around you. You are impacting people. Are you impacting people for Christ or not? So, um, the desires of our heart should be on our relationship with the Lord and reaching out to those whom He places in our path. And returning the first of our increase back to the Lord indicates He has our heart. Jesus taught that the first of our increase belongs to Him. But we can also do some things to uh, save money for the future and live within our means and those kinds of things. Uh, Matthew 6, 21, again, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. In verse 24, Jesus continues. He says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In verse 33, Jesus continues, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. We know that God is a, we sang about it today, he's a good, good father. He wants to provide all that we need. The, the Lord wants a relationship with us. Let me change this. The Lord wants a relationship with you. What do you want? Are you committed to him? Are you growing in your relationship? Do you want a relationship with him or or is he only, you only want a relationship when it's convenient, when you get into a jam? Hey, God, I'm in a jam right now. I need some help. Okay, I'm good now. I'm good. We'll see you next time. James 5, 3 through 12. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. 
So what, what could this evidence be? Let's read on in verse 4. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. If we're cheating others of their pay, if we're stealing from our employer, God is watching. Uh, for for uh, li- uh, listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cry, verse 4 continues, the cries of those who harvested your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. I think God, uh, James is saying on behalf of God, I love my children. I'm watching out for them. So if, if we have the, the privilege and the opportunity to, to be an employer or a manager or a supervisor or something like that, are we treating our employees right? Are we treating them the way that we would want to be treated if we were in that position? Hopefully so. James 5, 5, you have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves up for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. And as I was considering this, this message and this scripture, I was thinking about people that would maybe go into a convenience store or liquor store. They would rob and they have the money, they have the beer, they have whatever it is they want, and they still turn around and, and kill and shoot people. I mean, that's, that's wicked. That's evil. And we see that happening today. Just take the stuff and go. You don't have to kill somebody, too. But he says here in James 5, 6, you have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. It's interesting that this was written 2,000 years ago, and it's still applicable today. James 5, 7, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. We know that the Lord is returning, and so are we being patient? Are we allowing God to work in our hearts and lives and give us patience? Consider the farmer, the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring, they eagerly look for the, value, the valuable harvest to ripen. They are looking for and they are expecting a harvest. We should be expecting a harvest too as we share the hope and the love of Christ with others. As we pray that God will lead us, as we pray for those that are lost, we should be praying and have a hope. We should have an expectation that God is going to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Not because it's, it's of our efforts, but it's because of his love for those people. It's by his spirit, it's by his power that he is able to make these changes in people's lives. Let it start with us. God, shine your light into my heart. Bring exposure to the things that you're trying to to get right in my life. Help me to yield to you and allow you to do this work. Help me to have the ability to go through the process that you're taking me through to perfect me, to be more like Christ. Let me be able to take a little bit of pressure. Let me be able to take some heat so that I can grow And so that you can purge some of these things out of my heart and out of my life. Listen, family, we could be living in the end days. I don't know. The Word says nobody knows when the Lord is coming back. But the thing is, we have the opportunity to grow in our relationship, grow grow deeper with Him, 
we have the opportunity to reach those that are hurting and lost and wounded, that have no way of knowing how to, to get to the Lord. And so God is using people like us to do that. James 5.8, you too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Verse 9, don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. Verse 10, for examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Look at the things that they suffered and went through, but yet they were committed to the Lord. They were faithful to the Lord, even in the tough times, even in the trials. We have the fruit of the Spirit. You know what they are? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So those are, a fruit of the, those are the fruit of the Spirit that should be resident within us. And so patience is one of those things. James 5.11, we give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tender mercy, tenderness and mercy. When, when we look at our life, when I look at my life, let me just say that, I can see how merciful and, and gracious God has been and is to me time after time after time. And it's not because I'm such a wonderful person and I deserve it. It's because of his love and his grace and mercy toward us. Um, I want to go back to James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. Uh, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of, of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And this Greek word for perfect is teleos, and it means to be full-grown, it means to be complete in all of its parts. It, need, it means the, the completeness of the characteristic of Christ. It means operating is designed. It doesn't mean without blemish. What it means is to be perfect, according to this definition, is that we are operating as designed. And we are operating as designed when we yield to the Lord and allow him to do this work in our hearts and lives. And then we go out and live it. <laughs> Uh, so this Greek word for complete is complete in every part, sound, and perfect, entire. So let me uh, just expand this, this verse 4. Let me just add some of these definitions in here. Uh, James 1, 4. So let it grow, let, let uh, your endurance grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, fully grown, complete in all parts, having a complete Christ-like character, Operating as designed and complete, meaning sound and complete in every part, needing nothing. So I think we want to get to this place where we don't need anything. Godliness with contentment. Are we content in our station in life? Are we living a godly life? Are we allowing God to do this work in our hearts and lives? Are we yielding to him? 
God wants us to grow spiritually and be whole and complete, not lacking. Do you want this for your children? Do you want this for your grandchildren? And then this section in James chapter 5 closes out with this. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or by anything else. Just a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. You're not to swear on your mother's grave, which I thought about that. I'm like, I don't really know what that means anyway. <laughs> um, be honest, you know, a yes or a no is, is okay. In fact, I want you to repeat this word after me. I want you to say no. no. Say it again, no. no. No can be a good word. And I'm not saying to say no to everything, but sometimes we do need to say no. If we can't, if, if we feel like uh, this is going to cause us to overcommit, overspend, something like that, maybe we need to learn to say no. But he's saying, you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't have to swear on anything. Listen, our, our word should be good. If I tell you I'm going to do something or I'm not going to do something, I can't do something, my word should be good. Your word should be good as well. So if you say yes, then you need to honor your word. You need to uh, demonstrate integrity. Some of the uh, deepest hurts that I've experienced are people that I love not having the integrity by honoring their word and their commitment. So let's be people of integrity. If you tell somebody you're going to help them move, help them move. If, if you're not available and not able to do it, then tell them, sorry, I can't help you move. <laughs> you know, whatever. But let's be honest and, and let's not uh, overstep our bounds and, and feel like we have to swear or, you know, promise. Oh, I promise you. Listen, our word should be good enough. If Cliff tells me he's going to do something, I know it's going to get done. I don't have to, you know, would you sign that in blood, please? <laughs> so th these are things that James is talking about that should be resident in the body of Christ. And the heart of this message and the heart of this series the heart of God for Life Fellowship is that we become committed, strong believers, followers of Christ, that, that not just talk about having a Christian life and a Christian walk, but actually demonstrate and live this thing out because there are people in your life that are looking to you. You are blazing the trail. You are leading others. How are you leading others? How are you demonstrating when we know the Word of God, when we know what the Word teaches, then we have it here. We can live it. We can implement it. But we can also train, equip, empower, and release others to follow this, the teachings of, of, of Christ and live this abundant life. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, or maybe you did at one point in time and you've walked away. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? Anybody here? There's no shame in that. Maybe you're watching online, and I would just ask you to, to pray this simple prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I receive your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness. And I thank you for this new beginning. I thank you for this fresh start today. 
And I thank you that your word says my sins are as far as the east is from the west. And I thank you for this new beginning. In Jesus' name. I want to pray one more prayer for you that prayed that prayer. Lord God, I pray for the fire and the baptism of your Holy Spirit to wash over them. I pray that as they read your word, your word would come alive and that their sensitivity to you would increase. And Lord God, I pray that, that as they spend time with you, they would hear your small, still voice speaking to their hearts and that they would yield to you, that we would all yield to you, Lord, and allow you this process to, to, turn, to take our lives and change us from graphite to diamonds that illuminate and reflect your love and your power and your anointing and your victory for us, Lord God. So we pray these prayers, not with just words, but with great expectation. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website, lifefellowship.me. We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it.